in a way, it wasn't a hard sell. The guys like Sam, Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert, Bruce Campbell, they wanted something different. They didn't, they, like, essentially they'd done a reboot in 2013 and, you know, they weren't looking to reboot that again or mm. reboot what they'd done before. But I think one of the things I spoke to Sam about, like, what I love about Evil Dead and sometimes gets overlooked, but it's really deep in the DNA of it, it's actually quite a psychological movie because somebody gets possessed and then they taunt. They actually play psychological warfare with the people they love or the people that are around them. And I remember talking to Sam about that quite early on, and that's when he realized I really got what it was all about. And therefore, you can transfer the power of that to anywhere. And I wanted, I'm always drawn to telling stories about family, um, about, you know, parental and child relationships. And so it just felt like naturally, like within, I think on the flight back after I first met Sam, within that like short period of time, I was already like, I want this to be a story about a mother and kids. And I kind of quite quickly was like, I wanted to be a single mother. And then I wanted to bring in some other themes about maternal and, and you know, like parental fears mm. into it. So I got that, that feeling quite early on, but then it takes a while to actually dig out. Family isn't, doesn't have to be traditional. It could be, a, 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 you know, a strange collection of people. It could be you and your best friends. It could be you and your uncle or whatever it might be. Family doesn't need to be straightforward. And that's the little bit of hope in this story. But I think I'm always, yeah, I'm, I'm drawn to... Uh, it's interesting to say that it's like it's like a mirror. I didn't necessarily approach it thinking I have to do it that way, but I think it naturally just came out. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. 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 Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod. This week, it's fresh and hot. Yeah, it is. Huh? That's good. Yeah. 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 Talking about <laughs> two brand new films from this year, beginning with Evil Dead Rise. So no big intro, no news, like I got nothing this week. You got nothing. Well, I, okay, if you want, I was. You're just. I wanted like, what I wanted to do was I wanted to um, talk about Robin Williams again because <laughs> before we were uh, rolling last week, Kat said she remembered where she was when we got the news that he had passed. Oh yeah, and we never. I thought we were going to talk about that on oh. the episode, but we got carried away talking about the movies. Oh yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah, I'm actually curious, Kat. Where were you when you got the news? I was at Amigos in the Old Port. I, we, we could have guessed this. <laughs> <laughs> we should. We actually should Ooh. have done a round. This is a. Uh, I would have been like uh, Ruskies. Yeah. Dog bites man story here. <laughs> um, and I was playing pool with my friend, and all of a sudden we looked up at the TV and it was like flashing across the screen. It was like breaking news, Robin Williams dead. And we were both like, man, like what a bummer to this beautiful day of day drinking that we've been having. Um, So my friend went to the bar and got us two shots of Patron. And then I went to the touch tunes and put on dust in the wind. And then (laughs) we (laughs) did our shots to that song and then he drove me home and I was like yelling out the window at people that we were driving by letting them know uh, that Robin Williams had died and <laughs> there was this one group of people I was like he's Robin Williams died he's dead and the girl was like we know <laughs> you should have played uh, you never had a friend like me from Aladdin oh he missed, sings that one missed opportunity oh, she was grief stricken yeah i really had to yeah. put on some kansas is that who sings that song yeah yeah cool. speaking of uh bad news uh this is one of my favorite times of the year just after the fourth of july the darwin awards up here in maine especially where you just have people that like set off bottle rockets off oh, their yeah. foreheads and they <laughs> exploded the tops of their scalp it's kind of like those um those red asphalt videos I like to watch of the car accidents from Driver's Ed. Uh, it's like that. You just scroll through the internet right after the 4th of July. There's all kinds of carnage. It's mm. a great free horror movie. Uh, oh, I, I, Digits I'll, missing. Yeah, we're, I'll one up that. we're always talking about <laughs> practical effects. Oh, you'll effects. one up that. Yeah, my favorite thing about this time of year is um, kids and dogs in cars. Yes. That's when that business really picks up. And you wonder, how could it be? 
after so many hundreds of years of civilization, how could it be that a kid or a dog will die in a car? Oh, in a car. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then you hear Not you just even like children and like, dogs in cars. I, was, I thought he meant like ant cars. In a car like, with explosives. Oh. That's also a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to lock my kid and my right dog now. in a car with some bottle rockets and yes. a lighter. I'm lucky that my car, every time I turn it off, it flashes, check the back seat. Like oh, really? it just assumes I have a child back there that wow. I might forget about. Yeah, you could like put a backpack back there and it'll yell at you. Yeah, but that's great. That's it's helpful. Sure. I'm like, oh, my beer. Good. Yeah, my Miller Lite. I can't forget that. Do you seat belt it in? When the time is right. Safety first. Safety first. All right. Speaking of <laughs> this fresh, this isn't really and hot, going anywhere. Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of fresh and hot, Trent and I went and saw the blackening. Oh yeah, I, I already forgot. See, that would have been a no. I've <laughs> I've been busy, man. Yes. Yeah, so uh, last Friday, opening night, right? It the, was the opening Blackie, night. Yes, opening it was. night in theaters. Uh, we, yeah. Uh, yeah, we took a little social trip out to the movie theaters. It was great. Saw a brand new, brand new horror comedy called The Blackening. Thoughts, Trent? Um, I enjoyed it. I, th- I wished that it had been funnier and <laughs> scarier. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good, and I had a good time. I just like being at the movies. I, I thought, yeah. when honestly, when we started this podcast, I thought we'd all be going to the movies way more than this. I just like to go and turn off my phone and get some popcorn and just, you know, it's like a happy place for me. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I know a lot of it I didn't get. I think there was just a lot of like intercultural stuff that was kind of going over my head, and a lot of it is very fast, and um, the scenes are fast, the talking is fast, and I wasn't... You know, there was stuff in there that just, I don't think it was for me to really get. So I know that I was missing things. Um, yeah. But I thought it was solid. solid Same. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. So me and Kat opted out last mm-hmm. week, and we went to go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, not together. Yes, separately. But individually. I like how Dave really needed to make that clear. <laughs> it's like, we didn't have a date. I I, well, you went to IMAX. I'm not that I baller. Did, I did I'm go not to that IMAX, baller. Yeah. As soon as you said that, it's like. I ate a, ate a couple mushrooms and then went to uh, the 9 p.m. show was very late. Um, what do you think? It was a long movie about Indiana Jones. <laughs> long? You thought it was long? Too it was long. like two and a half hours long. I Did you know, notice that I prophesized uh, the twist? No. I must have crashed in a time machine accident in 21st <gasps> century Rome. Oh my... Whoa! <laughs> Did well, you just well, well. spoil Indiana Jones? I did. I <laughs> oh. did. And put myself at the same time. <laughs> so instead of going to see the new Indiana Jones, just buy my new record and <laughs> fresh yeah, and new. Spoiled with his own song. Right, right off the press. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's like legendary. This is what happens. Yeah. See, this is what happens. When I open the floor. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let me button it back up. Right. It was only. I feel like it's only going to get worse. <laughs> it's only uh, going to get worse. We're, we're at like 13 minutes. This is tragedy. <laughs> All right, so uh, I decided to go with two brand new movies, both out this year and both continuations of what some would say are both legendary franchises. I'm going to start with this year's Evil Dead Rise. Inexplicably, 10 years after the remake, we get a new entry into the Evil Dead uh, franchise. And basically, Beth, who is a rock technician, Gets some interesting and and potentially bad life news. So she heads back to L.A. to visit her sister Ellie and Ellie's three kids in their old, decrepit apartment building. After an earthquake strikes and opens up a chasm leading into a hidden vault beneath the apartment building, we find another version of the Necronomicon. All hell breaks loose and you get an Evil Dead movie. So this is a new one, directed by Lee Cronin, but obviously given the Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell stamp of approval. And, you know, for me, it doesn't hold up to the remake, but the remake is also one of my favorite movies of all time. And probably for a modern horror movie, other than Scream, I have seen the Evil Dead remake more than any other movie. Pat, like post-2000 for sure. Uh, But it gets right to the point. It gives you a really bloody and great horror movie just in terms of like horror fans. And I think it does justice to the Evil Dead canon, to the storyline. And it opens up the door uh, or the chasm for more Evil Dead movies to come. Hopefully we don't have to uh, wait 10 years for that. Uh, Tons of blood, tons of guts, great characters. I thought that both Beth and Ellie 
were fantastically portrayed. Two sisters, clearly there's a rift between them that kind of unfolds as the movie goes along. The three kids are great. Um, you've got uh, uh, the Danny is the brother. He seems to be the oldest. Uh, and then you've got Cass, who's the youngest. And then I forget the, the middle sister's name off the top of my head. But I thought the kids were great. Definitely sort of like a modern twist on how the kids are these days. Um, and then, like I said, <laughs> tons of blood and guts. Um, Dave, what did you think of Evil Dead Rise? Well, this Sam Raimi stamp of approval that gets thrown around <laughs> over the, like the last 10 years has really diminished. Because it was at the point... Uh, even when he did the short stories, uh, 50 States of Fear, um, I was down for that. Anything that had Sam Raimi's name on it, I was there because he had a huge run of the greatest movies ever. Like from when he started until right up through a uh, simple plan. And I don't know, some, you know, the Marvel stuff doesn't really wow me that much. But his stamp of approval has really disappointed me on a bunch of occasions, occasions like some of the Fidi Alvarez stuff. Um, and you know, I, I don't know what you have to do to get this to this point as a director or producer or whatever, where you could just throw your name at something like you're making a public appearance or something and just get, you know, paid for co-signing it. But he must be getting something because his standards have become a little loose and wild over the last few years. Um, I feel like this is not a bad movie. If it was extracted from the franchise and I just watched this cold, I would be like, this is a decent movie. This is like the way the first Conjuring hit the first time I saw it. It was like, oh, there's some scary parts and some creepy characters. Overall, pretty believable and enjoyable. But I feel like this is a, a testament for like people who are like purists who are like, oh, analog's better than digital and, and the old way is better than the new way. And I feel like this movie is like fuel for them uh, to be like, you know what, you're kind of right because it was better before. Even the remake was better, which is to me, you know, the remake was a step in a different direction. They tried something different, but to me, this didn't quite hit wasn't enough comedy and the stuff that there was there was just like kind of random and 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 weird um i i found it to be very like teeny bopper like aimed at box office teens the gore was great uh, i thought that the gore was great i liked that they started off in a you know bucolic forest setting uh you thought it was going to be the camp and then it's not and they switch it and you're you know downtown uh I kind of like that. I saw a lot of potential in that. I liked the Deadite King. We mm. talked about the Rat King before. Yeah. The Deadite King was great. There was some great imagery, some great stuff. I just don't think if you're going to hold it up against the rest of the stuff in the franchise that it's a lesser movie. But in the whole grand scheme of horror that's come out this year, it's pretty good. I love this one. I thought it was great. More like Evil Dead Thighs. Am I right? Oh my god! <laughs> the thighs in this what? movie. It's all about thighs. The, it's all about the thighs. Uh, it's, just, it's just a. You didn't notice. Was it thigh heavy? It's I didn't thigh notice heavy. it was thigh. You didn't heavy. notice? No. How yeah. so? Because she's. I, I feel like you're I'm wearing shorts for like thighs. the first time. And I'm feeling kind of like. What? <laughs> like Trent's really eyeing your thighs. I think I've been uncomfortable <laughs> since I walked in. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen it before. <laughs> it's gotta get a base. Um, I I really like this one. Oh, also um, the last one, the 2013. Also very thigh heavy. This is becoming a, a French thigh. Well, they have the, <laughs> they have the, the one vine, Jay Levy. the vine rape that always happens. That's kind of a well, signature. You know, that, yeah, and the, the last one with Jane Levy, she's wearing that um, skirt or dress the whole time. It's, both of these, a lot of thighs. I thought this was pretty much just as good as the last one to me. Mm. And, and I was so excited the first time I saw this because... This is the only horror franchise that goes all the way back to 1980 that has never disgraced itself. And at this, at this point, as a horror fan, and I, I'm going to see a, a new installment of a, of a franchise that's that old, is that beloved, and that I grew up on, I just don't want to be disgraced. I just don't want something that detracts from it. Every other franchise you can point to, uh, and I think, now I don't know the facts here necessarily, but I, I think that's because... However, it, it has worked. Ramey and Tappert, the producer of this, and, and who has always been involved, they've kept the rights. I think they've 
what about the series? I've never seen the series. I don't have time mm. for a television. I, you know, the cinema is my life. But they've been, they, I just feel like they've been very discriminating, very careful about what they do. And that's why, like you said, Kevin, it's been so long because they don't just put Evil Dead on fucking anything. Like this is, if I was a horror franchise, I would want to be Evil Dead. Sure, not the most prolific. Um, yeah, this isn't anything mind-blowing. It's never going to be 1985 again. You're never going to see Evil Dead for the first time uh, at a slumber party. But this is a very good horror movie, and I really loved the thematic stuff in this movie. This is about motherhood. Uh, it's about motherhood, and it's about life. And I think that's more interesting for a horror movie that we haven't seen too many horror movies about motherhood. I think we've seen way more about drugs, and that was something that, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of boring about the last one. I've seen so many horror movies that are metaphors for drugs. I thought this was, was fresh in, in that regard, and I love the gore. Um, you know, I, I think this is a very, very good movie. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it happened. Um, I think me and Dave had very, very similar uh, takes this week. I, I wouldn't say that, sorry, I wouldn't say that I was in love with this installation in the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, I didn't hate it, uh, but I definitely think it just kind of seemed like kind of a little bit of a dud. I thought it started off strong right off the bat. I was like, yes, rise, like coming out of the friggin' water, hovering there, scalping people. Like I was super pumped. But then once it starts with like the main plot line with the family, uh, my interest kind of teetered off a little bit. Uh, maybe it was because they were no longer in the cabin setting. Maybe there's something to be said about a spooky cabin. Makes everything scarier. But I thought, you know, it was nice to kind of get away from, you know, just the one, the one uh, in the middle of the woods, like being surrounded by like a whole city, but still not being able to escape is, is kind of an interesting, um, interesting take. I like that they went with a evil mom possession. Um, I thought it made for some interesting plot moves and some creepy kid shit because um, kids are creepy. So that was that was good. Um, but I didn't really like the characters at all i thought they were all kind of boring especially yeah. like the weird dj teen who's just i didn't like, love him no. yeah not yeah. a fan i don't know i just didn't really i liked the weird um what was the the head on the stick what was the name of that stephanie, stephanie. thank you stephanie, stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably my favorite character is stephanie um what saved it for me, though, was the gore, just the copious, copious amounts. The weird, I referred to it as a, a morphing Power Ranger at the end. Yeah. You know, Mighty Morphin. Uh, dad, what, what'd you say? It was the Dad King? What? Deadite Deadite King. King. Thank you. The Dad King. <laughs> dad King. Daddy King. Daddy King. Daddy there's of no, the week. Yeah, there's no daddy in this film. Well, there is, but he's not on screen. Oh. Somebody's the daddy. Yeah, he was no, no. sending him red Actually, shit. there's two, two absent daddies. Double, yeah, because we don't know. Yeah, double dad. I will say my favorite gore moment, the one that made me like close my eyes and not want to finish watching that part was the glass eating when it's like mm. going down, oh, and poke yeah. it out. Yeah. Oh, God. I was like, That's it was the moment bad. where I literally had to look away. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, everything else was just super fun, like the eyeball, like rip bite, um, just yeah, the whole, the whole shebang. I really, really liked the last Evil Dead reboot. Like that was. One of my favorites also. So I think my expectations were just really high for this one. And it just didn't like check every box for me. And I think I'm also still waiting for like a Ash versus Evil Dead like movie remake. Like bringing them all back and kind of going from there. I'm kind of missing the camp. I miss the camp a little bit. Yeah, but, definitely. But I appreciate the, you know, the serious kind of tone that the new ones have. It's just like a kind of like a re a redo of it. But I don't know. It was fine. The remake, we keep calling it that, but it's not a remake. It's actually supposed to be a continuation. Yeah. So whatever, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> well, but what they're saying is, I mean, we could have it's the same evil, argument over. Yeah, we're gonna have the Evil Dead, Dead versus Evil Dead Two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, discussion again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they're basically saying that like there's three versions of the Necronomicon. One is what you get from the first Evil Dead trilogy. The second would be what you get in the 2013, and then this one is is. Uh, bringing in the third version of the Necronomicon. This is one of my favorite cold opens. I the the cold open and title card oh, is so, so good. Like mm -hmm. you said, Kat, you're in the cabin. You're like, oh wow, we're back at a cabin. I thought this was supposed to be in the city, which both movies this week take 
legendary horror franchises and take them out of their small you know, cabin or small town environments. Both movies go to the city. This is like, you know, the, the movies take Manhattan week. Um, but I loved that whole opening sequence. It's gory. It's scary. And then uh, when that title card comes up over the horizon, I mean, I was there in the theater. And I was like, uh, oh, boner town. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, uh, was I it love that the, or the thighs? I love the, <laughs> Hey, I like this movie. Uh, I love when you, you get right away, you get the shot of the, the classic evil dead shot. I don't even know what we, what we want to call the POV moving yeah. over the ground shot. Like right away. Ah, great opening. Uh, the best part about evil dead gore is that deadites inflict harm upon themselves and yes. others. <laughs> so it's always, they'll yeah. like fuck themselves up some way and then fuck you up. So you get double the gore every time it happens. Yes. Yeah, before I fuck you up, let me just take this to myself real quick. I'll just cut my nose off real quick. Yeah, I'll uh, eat this oh. wine glass first. Yeah. I mean, cl- classic uh, kitchen counter scene. I've been thinking, as we've seen it so many times, that is a, I think it's a, a more contemporary trope. Anytime you're, you're watching a horror movie, somebody is at the kitchen counter and their back is turned for too long mm-hmm. and they're chopping vegetables, whatever they're doing, this one, they're <laughs> frying eggs, you know pretty soon they're going to be cutting off fingers, they're going to be eating glass, they're going to be doing something. That's like, they you know, They get that like, culinary hypnotist look like there's <laughs> yes, somewhere yeah. else yeah. and they're just cutting <laughs> the right, things. Just, that's right. You're like, oh God, here we go. I don't know. I'm surprised that you guys didn't like this more. Well, he- I mean, it, I liked it. I, I did, think I definitely it's just liked comparatively. It. it seems it seems sort of like a little bit dismissive to say like at this point are we so beaten down as horror fans that it's like I feel like we're almost saying like well as long as you don't fuck it up. No, it's I, okay. I, I, I think this is great. <laughs> like, I love this. No, I love it. I'm surprised these two. I, I want to be clear. I'm not included <laughs> in the pans here. I, well, I, I mean, I just what I think of is. Evil Dead is once it starts happening, it is nonstop craziness over and over and over again. And some of the stuff in this just didn't surprise me. Yeah, I yep. was a little tired yep. of like the demonic voice and like the the demons being vulgar, like yeah. fucking like uh, with a maggot bully. Bitch. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah like some like bully Freddy. from like a small town, like <laughs> on the playground. They're like. Suck my dick, bitch. Yeah, it's like, yeah, all right, yeah. come on. Like, it, they should be speaking in like ancient tongues and like right. biblical shit or whatever. Right. You know, yeah, they should be that's talking like a skid from That's cliche too. That's just as cliche. I, I guess. I agree, that's not though. wildly original. Also on the uh, the I just voice. Tired of, like, I, I know you can. I know you can pitch. I know right. you can pitch a voice. Right. It sounds like a demon. I mean, I get it. Did you guys notice who's yelling? And so in this one, he not only finds the Necronomicon, or what do they call it? Hold on. The Bruce Campbell. Naturum Demento is what oh. they call the book in this one. Yeah, Bruce Campbell's. They also find records, like albums. And that's, I like that. That's how, that's how the it's, evil is unleashed. Is yeah, this kid, right. Danny, the, the son. stupid DJ. It's through yeah. the final. <laughs> and then he has to like go play them to try to like you know see if he can <laughs> rescue his mom. But yeah, in in the uh, book, it's the priest that's kind of like telling the story of this book and and the deadites that came uh, and how they locked it away in this vault. But in the background, you hear Bruce Campbell actually yelling at them to like leave the book alone. That's him actually doing the voice. There's a record in there. Uh, that I had gotten at a Dave's pointing to another room. A yard, I got <laughs> at a yard sale. To his butt. And this record, it's called like uh, Satyrs, Nymphs, and Martyrs. Oh. And you put it on, and you hear this like drum beating. And I opened it up, and I look at the liner notes, and it says, "If you hear the sound of the drum, it's too late." And it has all this folklore stuff about demons, and it really spooked me. But it reminded me a lot of. Of this, oh, let's I, do that I right don't like, now. No, I don't like that at all. Do not play that. Yeah, it, you keep that. Me. You keep that tucked away. I thought there were a lot of um, undertones of faith in this movie. It reminded me a little bit of of a quiet place. Again, you have the prayer scene. It's kind of strange for a, an Evil Dead movie. You have the the Jesus Christ statue in the in the sub basement or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought. You know, why is there a, there's a Jesus Christ statue that like falls on him. You have the prayer scene. Um, and I, I really liked when the, the demon is yelling at them or whatever. And it says, uh, uh, will not stop until all innocence is destroyed. And the whole idea of the story is, is this conflict with, with 
Beth, the main character, about her pregnancy. That's not a spoiler. That's the first scene of the movie. Mm. She's pregnant. We don't know, you know, how. We don't know who, but we know that she's pregnant, and she's very, um, I would say, obviously conflicted about it. And so, through the story, through the film, you have her kind of almost becoming a mother in her mind, because the the oldest sister, the the mother of all the kids is slipping away. She gets possessed by the demon. And so you have one mother slipping away, becoming someone else. And then you have this new mother who, or prospective mother. And over the course of the film, she starts taking over. She is the one that has to now protect the kids. She's the one that has to fight the demon. And through that process, she begins to accept uh, motherhood and, and and know that she could be a mother and that she would be a good mother as one of the little kids tells her I thought that was really cool to put in this you know this bloody franchise horror movie yeah I liked the characters cat I thought the, <laughs> I thought the character I thought they were good I, I mean Ellie and Beth are great I like that whole transposition how Beth comes from being the fuck up right and she's right. going to Ellie because she's so grounded the, she's yeah. the rock she has a husband yes, three kids exactly and this apartment they've been at for a very long time as she shows up and the husband is left. Yeah. Ellie is by herself with three kids and the apartment has been condemned. They right. have to leave because it's going to be torn down. Uh, so I liked all that. And I did think that the kid they were a little bit over-exaggerated, I think, at times the kids were, but I thought they were great. And I do like how typically you'd get like the creepy kid thing. They would play heavily to that. In this one, they're just tormenting the kids with the mother. The possessed mother. I don't think you see that a ton. I think it was done pretty well. Yeah. And then you do get some creepy kids, and I thought they fucking knocked that out of the park. Like that was the scene you were talking about, Cat, where Bridget is the daughter's, the other daughter's name, uh, where she's eating the glass, and that reminded me of the, like you said, Dave, like when the Deadites seem to have to fuck themselves up. It reminded me of the 2013 Evil Dead when she's like taking the nail gun. <laughs> To oh, herself, yeah. Um, after she like saws her arm off and stuff, like I mean, I thought I thought that all of the character development in this actually kept it um, interesting. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. I will say one thing that did mislead me because this has been marketed for or at least talked about for quite a while now. They did, and one of the early things they let on is that the new Evil Dead movie was gonna take to the city. So I was like, oh shit, they're gonna unleash like mm -hmm. a Necronomicon in a city. Yeah, it's misleading. Now, that would be I, like, cool. I went yeah. into this being like, "Oh shit!" Like no, this is going to go right. crazy. It's an apartment building, but it might as well be a cabin, really. Yeah, but it, yeah, it stays yeah. true to the Evil Dead in that it takes place in the apartment the entire time. It's a very confined setting. Well, it also stays true to the originals, where uh, a lot of the first one and the second one is just Bruce Campbell and his girl. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, going back and forth is just like relationship. Whereas the remake that we had talked about in 2013 was it kind of went from person to person and it was always moving so you didn't really ever have one person that there was a crazy relationship with like there was in this and then going way back can we let's talk about the cheese grater scene because oh, yeah. that, that now good. that's something that everybody has held up the cheese grater scene as this symbol you, you don't do you know what i'm talking about I, I i do i was agreeing with what i think you're about to say yeah not hardcore no softcore I don't understand why everybody acts like this cheese grater scene. I thought going in, I had already heard about it. You know, I'm oh, on. I'm, this is notorious somehow. On the yeah, internet? the cheese grater scene is like a notorious symbol of this movie. If you're oh. on, if you're on the the webs and stuff, yeah. um, it was like one little scrape of the cheese grater. I thought it was gonna take it to someone's face. You I was know, say I didn't even remember it enough to. Yeah, add well, we're it to watching my it list. right now. It's not iconic. Are we? And, yeah, and there's a scene where what? someone gets their eye bitten out and <laughs> spit into someone else's mouth. <laughs> That's, that's way I'm, more that's iconic, and about. it's a nice throwback. That's a nice tribute. There's a lot of tributes and like, yes. you know, wink, wink, nod, nods to several other uh, Evil Dead scenes in and, this movie. Yeah, too. and other horror movies in general. I thought another yeah. another New Zealand horror movie seems like a lot. The pandemic really uh, made New Zealand yes. quite the destination yeah. <laughs> to make films. And and another one, kind of like we talked about with X, and then how Pearl came about because Ty West was locked up in a hotel room. Yes. Uh, Cronin talked about uh, how he, during the pandemic and stuff, had to do a whole bunch of this and he how he played with a peephole a lot. And a peephole is a big part oh, of right. Evil Dead uh, Rise. Yeah, even, that's Maybe right. even more than thighs. I noticed people more than thighs, but I'll give it another spin <laughs> and get back. <laughs> 
but I thought the peephole use was good. It's it's nothing new in a horror movie for sure, but I thought that it was done pretty well. It, it makes sense that this guy spent two weeks in a hotel room, quarantined, with nothing to play with but a peephole. He's like, ooh, that'd be cool. <laughs> and some thighs. <laughs> some thighs. Speaking of Lee Cronin, the director, has anybody seen The Hole in the Ground? I have not. I know oh, of it, but I've not. The A two four. Well, his, I don't. I haven't seen it, but his first. His, this is his second feature. His first feature was the Hole in the Ground, which was well received. I haven't seen it. I think he hooked up with Raimi because of Fifty States of Fright, because he did an episode of oh, that. Oh, he did one of those. So I think that's how he and Raimi. But they talk about you know like when I'm talking about. I think Dave, we were talking about two different things. When I talk about Raimi's stamp of approval, I more meant what Trent. I think the point that Trent made was more what I was getting at is he's kept his evil dead stamp of approval far closer to the vest yes. than maybe like ghost House pictures or <laughs> yeah, something like yeah, yeah. that. Like, yeah. well, no, like Ramey, he did start like a production company. We'll put out, you know, some movies that he doesn't necessarily write or direct. Uh, he's just giving his name to it. So I, I agree with you there, but I was more getting to the fact that like the reason that you don't see an evil dead movie every two years is because they've kept it. You know, very, very specific, and they all have to have buy and they all have to agree on it. And what's interesting to me is that they've now said that this seems to open up the door that maybe we could see one every couple of years. So I don't know if that excites me or that makes me a little nervous. Uh, but like, there is an interview with Campbell where he says, Yeah, we have enough people now with Alvarez and Cronin and people that we trust. Right. Um, yeah. And I do, I do. I'm excited, but I am also probably naive in that regard. I, I that maybe it's, it's a, better to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. But you also have a movie that was made for like 15 to 20 million that just pulled in a hun- almost 150 at the box office. Yeah. Big uh, hit. So I think they're going to have to get more interesting. I think this formula has run its course. The one where you open the book, you read the passage, it comes, and then right. you know you get a dismember everything i think that it has to get more like <laughs> the exorcist or something and get or uh, get kind of deeper into some of the history of the book maybe um i do think in my opinion army of darkness is a step down it's a little bit of an anomaly to me um yeah it's an evil dead movie but it's what a crazy franchise this is. If you think of all that stuff, if you think it of is. the series and Army of Darkness and then these two remakes, it's a crazy franchise that yeah, goes I everywhere agree. in horror. Dave hates my first pick. He hates the shirt I'm wearing. Um, <laughs> What's the shirt I know wearing? that the next pick the is going to get uh, oh, a big thumbs down. Oh, I like that shirt. From, I love uh, Evil Dead. <laughs> I was glad that we got Dead it's by Dawn. It's an Army of Darkness shirt. We got Dead by Dawn in this. That was good to have. Um, I thought it observed one of the rules. Ramey and Tappert have uh, like 10 rules of horror. And one of them is the hero has to spill blood to, you know, become, to to actualize themselves. At some point, the hero has to spill blood. You have that in this. And, you know, and back to the, the motherhood thing and the sort of the changing of the guard with the mothers. I really loved when there's a point where, Ellie, the possessed mother, is trying to convince the little girl to let her back in the apartment, and she's doing a very good job of it. And the little girl says, "You're not my mom anymore," or "I know, I know, you're not my mom anymore." That really resonated with me dealing with my mother, who is slowly or quickly, I guess, becoming not the person that I knew. You know, eventually, everybody's mother becomes someone else, someone unfamiliar to you. It's really, it's really trippy to to watch something like that, to be involved with somebody just going away. I thought, I thought that was kind of a little bit what it was getting at with the possession, and then so that's why Ellie now is stepping up. She's the next mother, and she's going to have to. Beth is stepping up. She's going to have to step up, right? She's going to be a mother, and she's going to step up and, and take over. So I thought that was really, really good, especially for this kind of movie. Yeah, I mean that's what I was talking about with Cass, little girl. You're talking about when like the mom is like the people that that's a great people scene. And Ellie, the mom, is like all fucked up and she's trying to get her to let her back in the apartment. I love that Cass's first thing is like, you don't look so good, mom. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's delivered. It's kind of comedic, but, and I know what you're talking about, Dave. They don't really, it's, it's not enough comedy. they're going for comedy. But there's no comedy in the last one either. But at the end of the movie, when like, again, Ellie is trying to play like the mom role, once they're out of the apartment in the hallway, like pre 
uh, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Daddy of the Week. <laughs> that's when she looks at her and she's like, you're not my mommy. And I know you're not my mommy anymore. Yeah. It's a pretty good progression like as yeah. far as like watching kids go through this with I their think mom. There's a lot of comedy in the in the last remake. Really? Well, you have that guy that like shaggy character who just gets punished <laughs> so hard. Uh, the guy with the glasses, he gets the thing in the yeah, eyeball. Yeah. And he just like Eric? Just gets all these little tiny very cringy injuries that is kind of comedic. Cringeries. And, and I think that uh, also... Did he say cringeries? Or no, did you... I'm saying <laughs> cringeries. <laughs> ah. Thank you. Cringesque. <laughs> um, if you're on Twitter and you love horror movies, you should follow Lee Cronin. He has been for the past, I think it's been over a week now, he has been doing this single Twitter thread going through the entire making of this movie and there's tons and tons of behind-the-scenes footage. Right, he starts from the start, and he shows you the big warehouse where a lot of this, this like converted warehouse or something, where a lot of this was shot. He shows you the the Marauder or the the um, Deadite of the Week, whatever you called it, at the end there. The three people that are like all on top of each other, trying to walk around on the floor. It's 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 an incredible amount of information. I mean, I can barely keep up with it, and uh, I really admire his commitment to, to doing that so everybody can really see how this stuff is made. Really interesting. I reactivated my Twitter just for that. <laughs> oh, did yeah. you check it out? Yeah. You yeah. got to have a Twitter to see the tweets now. What, you, you, didn't, you could see tweets without having Twitter? Yeah, yeah, before you could. Oh, I didn't know that. No more. Yeah, that's why when, <laughs> I, when I first sent you the thing, you couldn't see it because normally before uh. you could send a, a tweet to anyone, they could at least see it in the browser. Yeah. Rough stuff. Yeah. Yeah, let's not go down that. No, let's hole. not. You don't want to go down that road. I can get you an ounce of like some real, you know, hydroponic scientific stuff that'll run you five hundred bucks. Hydroponic. Yeah. I'm not looking for a sound system, my friend. You know what I mean? Just looking to get a little, little relief, please. Yes, I will. Beats by goddamn Chan. Hey, don't talk to me like that. Woo! Oh, that's our new catchphrase. See you next month. Or just what we say every Wednesday. I believe you would say that. What are we doing? All right, my next hot and fresh pick. <laughs> also from this year, a little bit earlier, is Scream 6. So one year after the events in Woodsboro, which saw the return of Ghostface and a whole host of new characters mixed in with some of our legacy characters, we move from Woodsboro to New York City. And once again, we have Samantha Carpenter and her sister Tara, along with the other surviving members of Scream 5, which, by the way, we'll spoil the hell out of Scream 5 and do our best to not spoil Scream 6. Yeah. Uh, but they find themselves in New York City. Tara is now attending college. Samantha is reeling from the realization that her father is Skeet Ulrich, or <laughs> Billy, from the original Scream, and in therapy trying to deal with the fact that she is uh, flowing with the blood of a killer. And once again, Ghostface shows up and we go through another entire two plus hours of trying to figure out who is under the mask. So Radio Silence came back to direct this one. Same writers as Scream 5, so James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. Um, good cold open, as we've talked about, mm, or at yeah. least I've talked about. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a good. big part of the Scream franchise. Uh, we get Samara Weaving in there, who uh, worked with Radio Silence on Ready or Not. Uh, and I still love the characters that are returning from Scream 5. We don't get as many legacy characters this time. Pretty much just Gail Weathers um, coming back, because obviously Dewey didn't quite make it out. And then there was some controversy with Nev Campbell, so we don't get Sydney. Just a reference to Sydney Prescott in this one. Um, I am a Scream apologist, so I will always live for uh, more Scream movies. Mm -hmm. I thought that five was fantastic. I think that six is great, uh, very bloody, very violent. 
uh, maybe a little bit more so than some of the previous installments in the uh, in the franchise. Uh, and I am a, a big fan of uh, Jenna Ortega, as I've said about a hundred times on this Future show. Future Oscar winner you have maintained. Exactly, yes. <laughs> not for this one. I'm standing by that <laughs> prediction. No, not for this one. Um, the best parts of this one are pretty formulaic. I do like the change of scenery from the city. Unlike Evil Dead Rise, we do get to explore the city and we get to use some of the fun aspects that you can do with taking a franchise and putting it on a subway, for instance, or going into the supposedly safety of like a bodega in the middle of New York City to get away from somebody that's chasing you and trying to kill you. So I think they do that well. Uh, some of the not so good things that I'll get out of the way for me personally is they do kind of beat to death some of like the rehash of old Ugh. scenes. Uh, there is a lot of exposition for a franchise that you should know very, very well at oh this point. Um, <laughs> and they do retread a little bit too much. Um, but... Uh, again, just like Evil Dead, this one was made pretty cheap and made a fuck ton of money at the box office, so we'll be getting a seven, undoubtedly. Yes. Woo! I loved this. I am ready for a beatdown. <laughs> this week was a strategy. <laughs> I went Evil Dead knowing that Dave would follow, and then I went Scream knowing that <gasps> I would at least have an ally in Cat to start with. And I'll take my lashings after that. So, Cat. Cat's a wild card. You never know. I know. Yeah. I know. But I'm pretty confident this time. As you should be, because Scream 6 fucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved it. I thought it did everything that a Scream movie should and would do. Uh, we got the fake outs galore. We've got meta explanations of horror films. And we've got a lot of, lot, a lot of stabs. Uh, we are missing out on Sydney, but they didn't kill her off, so we know that. So she might, uh, she might make a return, maybe if the money's right one day. New setting outside of Woodsboro is a nice change of scenery. Uh, makes for more spooky surroundings for the people who are getting stalked, because New York can be a pretty scary place in general anyway. Subway scene, boom, super bloody. Very tricky. It's Halloween. Everybody's wearing the mask. Oh, it's a da 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 da. Loved it. I do question how someone can get stabbed again that many times and still and still live. That's all. Just say I'm just throwing Literally that out a there. Flesh wound. <laughs> She's like, I'm good. I'm like, you're not good. I thought the intro scene absolutely lived up to the scream cold open standards, and then some. It might be my new favorite one. Uh, Maybe because I love Samara Weaving so yeah, much. Yeah, that was um, good. Got to see her get the Drew Barrymore treatment very well. Yeah. Um, so I was super into that. But then I was like, we've already seen the killer. Like, we're two minutes in. What's going on? And then they done flip-flopped you right away. And it was just like, right from there, I knew. I was in for a wild, wild ride with Scream 6. <laughs> um, then we dive more into the Billy Loomis is my dad problems that Sam's experiencing, which I think gets a little bit more interesting because she's like, oh, am I going to be a murderer? I don't know. And then it's like the weird internet like meta thing of, you know, people thinking that she's really the killer. So I thought that part was fun. A lot going on, obviously, but I think it all works well with each other and it's fun and it keeps you questioning if like your preconceived tr scream tropes are real or if they're going to do something different. They do. They do different things the whole time, just the whole time. Anyway. I was questioning a lot. I bet. I bet you were. I was glad um, that they kept this momentum going. I was not disappointed. I wish I could say uh, the same about the Halloween reboots that we got, if I'm being honest. Anyway, loved it. Thank God for Melissa Barrera. Nice price, Olivia Munn. <laughs> Kept me going <laughs> through this two-hour slog. How oh are the thighs in this one? God, oh, you talking thighs? thighs? She's got, she's got some thighs. <laughs> now they're not bare two of them. in this one, but oh my lord! I, the lead lady there? Yeah, Melissa Barrera. Really? Okay, I love her. If you're out there, I love you. <laughs> um, this was, this was tough. Honestly, I'm a little bit conflicted. I. Uh, it's just, it was very, very tough for me having, I haven't seen every Scream movie because I got it the first time. I love the original Scream, stone cold classic, all time great. Uh, Wes Craven is a genius. He has given us so many iconic horror movies. The man was brilliant. 
and he invented didn't invent we've we've seen we saw it coming and we talk about the movies that led up to scream but uh including uh Wes Craven's uh, New Nightmare which was kind of a precursor okay he did the meta thing and it was brilliant and it was fun and that's a great movie and I just I don't need to see that again and again and again and again this is the sixth time through and now we have to talk about every other thing that happened. All the exposition is becoming... This is like MCU to me for horror. <laughs> you got to know five other movies, 50 other characters. Even this movie, this movie has 20 characters in it. I Love don't it. fucking know who these people are anymore. I can't remember the ones that were in the last one, the ones that are in this one. I mean, what is going on? Just, it's just all these names and all this history. And I thought that the where they explain the horror movies, that scene that you have in every screen movie where somebody's the horror aficionado. I liked, it was funny that in the, in the cold open, they actually bring it to like an academic level. Samara weaving is studying slashers and doing her thesis on slashers. Okay. But by the time the character is explaining, Oh, you have to have a final girl. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> That's so meta and funny that the people in the movie know how the movie goes. Wow. That, who thought of that? That's, That's what I thought. We really yeah. good. Uh, good things. I will say it looks great. I like the city. Um, I thought they could have done more with the city again. Um, but, uh, you've got a ladder going between apartment buildings. Now you got the subway, you got the bodega. You have to have that. I mean, it's like, this is like made for Twitter or something. Um, I loved the ending. I did think that the whole final act was great and it, it did pull me back into it because I was I was struggling but then the final act is so bloody and ridiculous and over the top I loved all the Jalo references very explicitly talking about Argento and talking about the Jalo films and this <laughs> this ending is so Jalo because you you can't guess the twist when it's that preposterous and that's what those movies do. It's like, yeah, I never would have guessed that. Uh, how would I have guessed that? No, you, right. you got me on that one. Uh, you know, if you like Scream movies and you have seen them all, if you like them all, you're definitely going to like this one. Rut row. <laughs> First of all, uh, the lead actress didn't uh, get me. I wasn't all like fired up on thighs this you weren't week. Like you were Gaga Ferreira. No, I, I like Jenny Ortega better. She looks really? like, yeah, she's like, uh, she looks kind of like the other girl, but like wearing a mouth guard. Which is, <laughs> um, is that but, your kink this week? Mouth yeah, guards? maybe, maybe it is. Maybe the cleft palate uh, is. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. What my first note here is uh, this franchise is tired as fuck. I don't know. I, I've in general become desensitized and unamused with these slashers with like come at me with a stupid mask on and a cloak that has zero peripheral vision like <laughs> like put sunglasses on mike tyson and i'll go a couple rounds you know what i mean like how are you gonna fucking you know you can't do all this all cloaked up in this in this get up and that got a little tired to me um it's very stabby um maybe so one of the stabby. most stabby movies it's ever so which I respect every time that happens, every time there's yeah. like, it's over the top savage, but like without that, if you just were to take that away, it's there. So I'm not going to take it away from it, but uh, it's just like a bunch of Nancy Drew level mystery machine ass <laughs> like exposition uh, that drives me crazy. I have here that I want you guys to Google the Samara weaving death scene in the M. Night Shyamalan movie Old. She has a very good death scene in that. Um, I also like her death scene in this. But the, sef the self-referential stuff is so forced by this point. Uh, and by the time you get to the third act, it is like uh, nauseating uh, and so over the top. It's they tedious. Just, it is. And then also the, the apathetic responses of everyone during murders and that's always been a problem in scream but there's one point where a guy refers to the person who's killed all of his friends and is currently hunting them a chuckle fuck <laughs> this fucking chuckle fuck like what come on uh gail does a star six nine in 2023 okay grandma uh, hey she knows how to get the number um, th there were some things, there were some shining moments of this 
It was some good gore. It was yes. almost like a Final Destination where I could skip through all the teeny bopper mystery stuff and get right to the gore stuff, and I would like a little bit better. But overall, still, the Scream franchise is not my cup of tea, not really what I'm into. I can't remember. Remind me, Dave, because this movie has really, really over-the-top knife noises, like overdubbed. Every time there's like, and there's a lot of stabbing in this, like we mentioned. I can't remember if you liked or disliked that. I mean, I did. I like violence. I mean, I I like <laughs> violence. I, I think like, we all we all like violence. Yeah. That's, I mean, uh, but, but the sound does. It. I noticed that too. It it does get ridiculous. Squelch. The, the sound of the knife just shing shing shing. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean. It's like the it's like Ghostface in, in Wu Tang. You hear the, the the sword sound effects. Anytime you the spirit dad, I mean, come on. Okay, so this is supposed to be a grounded. This is this is not a supernatural. Scream is not supernatural, but now all of a sudden this is the second time because they did it in the last one, which I didn't like, and I, I liked the last one fine. I didn't, but I didn't like the part where. All of a sudden, somebody's talking to the spirit of their dad in the mirror, and the, the spirit's talking to them, but. That's kind of Jalo. We've seen that. We've seen that in Jalo movies before. Fine, but it's just so ridiculous. You got to bring back Billy Loomis somehow. You know, they're running out of characters to bring back. Well, they bring so. back Kirby in this one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you get Kirby She's... from Scream 4, a very underrated entry into the franchise, She's and one. also might be my favorite opening. Yes. Probably the most maligned, but if you go back and watch it now, I think it's fantastic. Mm. And that was the last Craven one. Yeah, you get Kirby back. I think that Courtney Cox is great. I, mean, I don't care if she's like, you know, redialing the last person that she called. I don't think she was Star 69 in anyone. I think she was just. No, Tess, like, she, she did the Star 69 trick, I thought. I don't call back the number that yeah. just I called didn't you. Yeah, because she was in the closet. And then she's like, it wasn't pew, actually this. I thought that part was kind of clever. Hmm. Is this the first time that uh, Ghostface has ever murdered someone with a gun? I believe so. Yeah, that was interesting. Did not see that part coming. Um, and then also, well, I guess the other part's very spoilery. So, no, I can Never see Dave's. I can see both of your points, Dave and Trent. That you know, from like a fi- from a horror for somebody that's not into this franchise. I can see just fast-forwarding to see, like, wow, the bodega scene's cool. The ladder between buildings is cool. Subway scene, okay, that's rad. For somebody that is a big fan of the franchise and knows all of the movies by heart, right. this is a great, great have, reference. Right. And even I'm saying that there's a little bit too much, <laughs> like, self-reference in this it's one. It's Avengers. However, like, the way that they bring it back to introducing all of the previous killers and like you know they have oh like the whole like, like the museum of ghost face the, the shrine. museum oh my god i She's liked like, it but again <laughs> i think if you're not somebody that has lived and died by the franchise right that's not gonna right. you're probably gonna roll your eyes or you're gonna miss it all together and it's just gonna be 40 gonna minutes be of the movie that you don't need exactly it's just confusing and boring but like, for me i'm this? eating up every single i right. am literally rewinding the scene and being like there's the tv that hits stu- like <laughs> yeah there's yeah, that, yeah. and there's this one. Like, yeah, yeah. You realize they arrive at that museum at the halfway point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I noticed that today because I had to watch this in pieces because I kept on getting up and be like, oh God, I'm just gonna figured- urinate because I'm bored. <laughs> I come but- in peace. You'll watch in pieces. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the halfway point was they were in the museum. And all the stuff from there, like the end was so long. Oh, so. From that point on. My uh, my least favorite two words are now core four. <laughs> Say it again, motherfucker. Say core four again. I think. Jesus Christ. Why? Yeah, Twitter Kat is writing I, this movie. Kat it's a fucking movie written by social media. <laughs> core Kat four, core four, before. core four. I get it. I get it. Uh, Say it again. Yeah, Kat, we shouldn't bring it up then. Bring it up. It's, it's our new nickname. Yeah, we're, oh, we're the, yeah. <laughs> soft core four. Like. What? No, oh my God. I don't. Let's not do that one. Maybe Trent's like, can't we be like the thighs guys? Hardcore four. <laughs> um, I maybe they should just make a super fan version where they have all of like the callbacks and like a normie version where it 
it's a little bit more palatable for people who don't like the MCU universe of Scream movies. Cause I, I, don't, I mean, the one. To, like to debate a little bit on the fact that you have to see every single one of these. How is a movie this like what 27 years after the original movie? It's still pulling in almost 200 million dollars at the box hit. office. This, this did better than the last one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was a little higher budget, but still, I think if you do the math out, this one did better yeah. than five. Which is why couldn't they afford Nev Campbell? Okay. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about that. Yeah. I have a theory. I have a conspiracy theory of my own, which All is right. part of this movie plays into internet conspiracy theories. You mentioned that cat. And, and you know, that's cool. That's I like that. Uh, you know, topical stuff. My theory is that they never wanted Neve Campbell and they lowballed her and she walked away and everybody was happy with that, including her. I think that they wanted to go with the new. Oh my god! Say it. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Core four. They wanted to go with the say new softcore. Say it. Softcore four, and and I think that that was the reason. It's like uh, it's like baseball. You know, sometimes you 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 lowball an offer because you just you have other plans and you're going to put the offer out there. They're going to say no and they're going to be happy to move on. And I think that I think that Campbell is perfectly happy if they had paid her what she would be worth and to me she's worth a lot if they had offered her what she's worth to be in this movie i think she would have done it but i just don't think anybody i just don't think that was the direction they were going that's my conspiracy she's theory. not a top paid sought after actress like what movies is she in besides for this franchise none right so why zero what makes her well wild things but what makes her worth? Well, I, I mean, cur- I guess to the franchise, movies. she to this franchise, she's well worth the money. I would right. say. Yeah, she, I mean, so she's, she's like, the Laurie Strode and of. Plants, or I'm she's Jamie Lee Curtis for screen. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I have a different theory, All but right, I don't. But I, but I. So I would question. I guess what I would question is why would they let all the press come out of you know. N- Campbell saying like, because she looks like a good guy. Then she she gets to be the hero. And everybody says, "Oh man, you know, see, you see what I mean. Everybody wins. Everybody's, which is, which is you know. great. If if that is what happened, fantastic, absolutely, fucking pay her. She is screen. Right. That's what they wanted people to say. And okay. so, but everyone's what happy. if what if everybody's in on it? Could be. What if this got everyone all worked up, and then Scream Seven, boom. Oh, well, she's back. Radio Silence has said that they. I just read today. They said we're not giving up on getting her back. We want to work with her. I, well, I've lost well, I track. Mean, she I, isn't dead. <laughs> she's not dead. <laughs> I just assumed she was dead this whole time. You guys were talking about this. It's when you got up and went pee, Dave. You're bring you missed. You missed that scene. Yeah. I think you missed that. I mean, when you're okay, when you are six films in to the ultimate meta horror franchise and the character that's explaining horror movies says this is just a lifeless ip property that keeps itself alive by making money and it's all just the same old dull shit by now when they tell you that in the fucking movie i'm sorry that's a little too meta because <laughs> that's true that's the that's whole the point fucking... of scream though they do they say that shit in all in all the movies yeah but that's the that whole point be the point shouldn't love... be that this is a lifeless ip property wow how is that <laughs> i love i love the fact that these guys are making i mean these are people with indie backgrounds and they're I'm... literally like sure. holy shit sure. we can make this movie and, and... it's going to make 200 million dollars and it looks great it's well paced they did a great job for what they were doing I, you know i don't have any gripes with that Sure. I mean, you just get the the full demographic and just add a canine and a stoner with the munchies, and like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what? I actually, when I was watching it at one point, before I, I I realized it was MCU, I was thinking this is the Expendables, this is the Expendables of horror, and then later on I found out that the guy who scored this scored all three Expendables movies and a bunch what? of other actions. There was, was one thing I wanted to comment on. And that was the, the music. I thought some of the music was terrible. That's why I think I was started thinking action movie because it was this guy who scores action movies. Yeah, there was moments where people were talking that there was no place for a score. And they just came in and it was the stupidest sounding music. I don't know. It was. It sounded very cheap to me. I, I, I have a recording studio, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey. Yeah, the uh, EQ was off a little bit, overcompressed. <laughs> <laughs> Sing us a song. Yeah, you're plug you're plugging a lot tonight. Me, 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 me. Dave's being very self-referential tonight. Yes, <laughs> I am. I don't like I would it. never I compare like any it. of my releases to this movie, so <laughs> you guys are off the hook.
Next week, it's colon week. Two movies with colons in the title, one called Be My Cat, a film for Anne, and another called Descent into Darkness, My European Nightmare, both free on Tubi or VOD.